And we're on. Welcome back to the Dad's Beer Club podcast. Tonight, we are joined by the third member of the infamous Chill Out Corner. <laughs> <laughs> Marcel, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. I wasn't expecting that to be fair. That there. Yeah, Chill Out Corner. Wow. Blast from the back. Um, Marcel, same thing to do with everybody, mate. Um, what, what's your tipple for the evening? A little Corona extra, a little bit of lime. Nice. nice little spill. I'm stuck on a little pint of um, cause light. Nice, nice. Cheers to us. Cheers, mate. Shame we can't be in. Shame we can't do it in person. But this is the uh, this is the reality now. I guess for the next, who, who knows? To be fair, mate. It's probably safer we're not doing it in person after the last time. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, but look, Marcel, let's let's get straight into it, mate. Um, what 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 we normally do? Let's go right back to the very beginning, mate, and um, talk about sort of family life, upbringing. What was, was your dad? Was your dad like that's that sort of stuff, mate? Yeah, of course. Um, so, upbringing. What can I say? A little bit disjointed. I think you'll you'll get that when I when I explain my 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 childhood. So, um, never knew my dad. So, never had a father in my life. So, didn't know him. Um, brought up by a single mum. My mum was white as well, so yeah. a mixed race kid brought up with a white mum uh, was, I guess, at the time unique. But I didn't expect, I didn't feel it. Um, what was quite unique was the way she still uh, instilled our culture on me. You know, as a white woman. So growing up, I, I lived in a truly like ethnical, diverse population. There was. You know, Asian folks, black folks, white folks, you know, Southeast Asian folks. It was it was really mixed. Um, and then it was a bit of a tough period in my life because, uh, unfortunately, some, let's, let's, let's say just uh, unforeseen circumstances occurred where um, I was actually taken away from my mum for a period uh, and went into um, sort of temporary accommodation with uh, with a sort of distant family relative for three years three four years um which was tough because i moved out of the kind of diverse nature of family that i was used to and, and population to a, a literally an all-white population where they were telling me that i couldn't use words that i'd been brought up using you know such as your iron man like yeah that's bad you know all these kind of things i was having to change my language and being involved in like lots of fights because you know like i was different you know, yeah. so that was that was really challenging growing How up. How old are you there, Marcel? Uh, nine. Nine. Nine, nine, nine. And it kind of, I kind of quickly grew up to be like a little fighter. You know, I was constantly having little scraps and kind of the, the guy that was, that used to be bullied to the point of, I was like, I'm not standing for this. And would just then not be the bullier, but just make sure that people wouldn't like beat, beat the crap out of me, you know, for nothing so yeah that was that was challenging and then um got to fast forward to middle of year seven um moved back with my mum um but out of that environment and moved uh into tadcaster in yorkshire um again very at the time literally an all white town right so went to this school tadcaster grammar school and i think there was only me and another girl that were of any color um and that was challenging you know, and again, typical stereotypes and, and what have you. And I actually got suspended in year nine because um, 
uh, a lad on the street had called me in the n-word so i got in a fight with him and what was what was really funny with that was it kind of had a little bit of an argument in the street but it rolled into school my mate was having a fight with him and i got involved those two got suspended for three days and i got suspended for five <laughs> wild but um but there you go but then you know just managed to get through school and and all that but and at the time as well my mum I'd found a new partner, so I kind of had a stepdad in my life then, okay. which was nice because that was new. Um, that lasted up until I was twenty-five, I want to say maybe. Okay, maybe I think I just graduated from uni, and uh, and then they got through. They went started going through a divorce, so back just to me and mum again now, as a, as I'm an adult. So, so yeah, that's a little bit about me. Um, usual education, got GCSEs, wasn't expected to get any. Ended up getting A's to C, then stayed in sixth form. Uh, wanted to be a fireman, but stayed in sixth form because I couldn't get into the fire brigade until I was 18. But during that time, I was being a part-time firefighter at an airfield, which is amazing, by the way, getting to wear a fireman's uniform, trying to pick up girls at 17 years old, pretending not to fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. not, not, not saving lives, picking up girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, just because I used to be able to borrow the jacket and just leave it in the boot of my car. So yeah. I just I'm going, oh, this proper old rackety jacket. But yeah, um, that was pretty good. Um, but then I went, I got the option to go to uni because I got some good A levels again, unexpectedly. So I went to uni, um, didn't have a clue what I was doing, uh, picked the wrong course to begin with, then picked digital marketing, and then somehow managed to get a 2 1 at the end of it. So that was that was good. Um, we were supposed to go in the fire brigade at that point, but David Cameron got into power, and we all know what happened then with public services. So I had to pick an alternate route, and this is where I am now today. From that, Marcel, you mentioned you didn't you, did, you didn't you didn't have a dad growing up. You didn't. Do you know, not know of him, or do you know any of that? Or yeah, I do. So uh, interest, like you're opening up a, a nice little box of worms here, like Pandora's box, which is good <laughs> because. Uh, this is all relatively new information as well. So okay. um, never knew my dad growing up. I knew of him um, and I'd heard his name here or there. And then I think it was, and if my sisters watch this, so again, here you go, that's a new bit of information. I have sisters. So, um, but if they hear this, if they see this, they'll be like, how do you not know the date? It's just because it's never been a date that's been synonymous with my life. But I got, I remember getting a phone call. I think it was like 2013, 12 or 13 and finding out that he had passed away. Um, and again, at that, at that point in time, it didn't really mean anything to me because I didn't know the guy, right? So yeah, it was at the time, it was a little bit like, I never got to meet my dad, but I can't miss what I've not had, right? So um, so he passed away with, with cancer. Um, and then more recently, um, my granddad, so his I think it was his dad had passed away, which then subsequently lent, uh, led to a series of events whereby I think I was mentioned in the will, which triggered my sisters to search me out. So they always knew my name, but they never knew my surname. And my surname, okay. coincidentally, is the same as theirs. So they never thought to search Marcel Edwards. So it was funny because my mum's friend was is still in con it still lives in that kind of world. They don't speak that, but it was like an old school friend. So he managed to get in contact with my mum. My mum got in contact with me, said, do you want to actually introduce yourselves, et cetera? And, and yeah, it was uh, it was last year, just, what was it, October last year, I think it was, October last year, that I actually, wow. we met up. So they live in Bristol, 
Um, so we met up in Birmingham um, and I found out loads, you know, loads of stuff about that there's, I think there's 11 siblings in total. But what, brothers and sisters for you? Brothers and sisters, yeah. So, wow. Um, but they're all spread out. Like my, my dad was like a playboy, mate. <laughs> From the sounds of it, he was literally like an absolute... Top shagger. Me, honestly, TS title, like you you can't describe it, but yeah, 11, 11 siblings. I think there's one that's the same age as Poppy, which, you know, my daughter, which is incredible. Yeah. But my sisters, there's one that's nine months older than me. So clearly he was doing bits with my mum and her mum at the same time. Yeah. Um, and then her sister, so the ones I actually speak to, she's um, older. So okay. again, various ages across pretty much a decade, I'd say. Um, wow. So that, that was that was nice because I speak to them still now, you know, and I want to build yeah. up a relationship with those two. So really, really, really positive outcome from that. That's, it's, I suppose growing up as a kid, no dad and no real family on that side. I suppose that is quite nice to actually realise there are there is some extended family out there. Yeah, it is, mate. Because um, you know, I, I've always known. I always used to know it, it's just me and my mum, and then my stepdad come into the picture and then that whole situation happened with the divorce and stuff. And it, although his side of the family, I pretty much grew up with his side of the family, like my grandma, my granddad, all those types of, of folks. And I felt in, in some way a little bit disconnected to them because of the divorce, but they've always treated me the same still, like even to today, like they still buy the kids Christmas presents. They'll still see how I am and all this stuff, but you know, it's a bit of an awkward relationship. So it's still kind of like, it's not awkward, but it's still kind of like, I've got my mum, like, yeah. me, it is my mum, and I've got, you know, my. I still call my granddad and my grandma and that side of the family, aunties, uncles and stuff. Oh, I know, love me to bits, but it's, you know, it's not the same. So when you when you actually found out, when I actually found out that I have family, um, it, it just made you feel a, a, a different kind of way, I guess. And I, I guess it's something I've never experienced. So I'm still kind yeah. of learning and navigating through that at the moment. Yeah, it's sort of the same for me. I grew up. I knew, I knew my dad, but he was in prison for most of my life. Um, everyone around town knew who he was. I just, I knew, I knew of him, but you know, I had no real input to him. So for his sort of whole side of the family, never really got involved, got to know. And there's a lot of them as well, very similar to yours. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd never really got involved. And we, we sort of reconnected again four years ago. Yeah. And yeah. that was, it's weird because, you know, when you're older and you, you, you're now starting to meet family that you've, you've never known, <laughs> yeah. it does take some adjustment. It does. It does. And even, even like my mum's brother. So like my mum has brothers and sisters, yet she has one sister that I, I don't really know that well, but she, it's like she who must not never be named type thing. Uh, and then one of the other sisters live in, lives in Australia, but then her brother I've got a really good relationship with a brother, but that only struck up, like you said, you know, maybe four or five years ago, truly, you know, yeah. in terms of a proper, proper relationship with him, like my uncle and, you know, I class him as my uncle and we, we chat every now and again and, and stuff, which, which is nice. But again, they live, so my uncle actually lives in Newport, way down in like South Wales. So to, to see each other and stuff is very, very difficult. So I've only seen him probably in my entire life, maybe three or four times, I think, okay. you know, so um, that, that's, that's a challenge as well, but it's quite, yeah, the same stories are quite unique and quite similar as well. And the more I talk about my past with people, it's interesting to find how many people like have very similar upbringings as us. It, it's, yeah. it's scary. And we keep it all in for some reason. I've kept all that in for years. 
Yeah. Did you do you think growing up? Do you remember? Did I want to say? Did you notice that you didn't have a dad? Because obviously you did. We all did. But yeah, it's like I for me. I remember like going around to friends' house and you see your mum and dad and you see interacting with the dad and I used to often used to think, hmm, that's not odd, but I don't know that. I don't know. That's completely alien to me. Mm. Yeah, you know, I, I sort of did because, like, you know, the old football thing. You know, your, your mum can only do so much, right? But yeah. bless her, my mum would kind of try and do all these great things with me. But it, it, you, you know yourself, mate, like. It's not the same, right? And I guess it, I, I felt it less when I was younger because where I grew up was, I, I know where you grew up, so it's probably very similar, you know, in terms yeah. of like, let's just say, oh, it's probably like an absolute shithole. You get me? Like it was mad. Yeah, you know it well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was uh, It was rough to say the least. So um, it, it, it resonated with me what you said when you went, when you said you moved to York, the West Yorkshire, I think where you said. Yeah. You said it was a completely white town. You're like the only brown person in the village for me that's that's what grantham was growing up like mm. it was very white it's a very conservative town and now it's changed now but and I, and I know i probably wasn't the only brown person in town at the time but it did, definitely felt like that yeah yeah well it was yeah because when i grew up was when i actually grew up when i was younger was very mixed right so i never felt like I didn't have a dad because i was always out there with loads of mixed backgrounds. It was like a real community thing. Do you know what I mean? So my mum was like, honestly, my, my mum was crazy back then. She was like a proper chavy woman. Do you know what I mean? Like, so she was always out. We was always out together. So that was different. But when I moved to Tadcaster and literally, mate, I was, when I moved to Tadcaster, I think at the time, I probably was the only black guy, brown guy, whatever you want to call me, in Tadcaster. So literally, it's visibly only me. And then it started, you know, changing a little bit. But that's when I'm all in. Yeah, but then, but then, yeah, and then that, that's where I noticed it more. Um, but at the time, that's when my mum met my stepdad, right? So, yeah, but I still noticed that's when I started noticing I, was, I don't actually have a real dad. And I started yeah. going through that journey of, you know, because I think at the time he wanted to adopt me and all this stuff. And I was kind of like, well, you're not my dad. Like, and it, it was that it was that difficult realization that, yeah, I don't actually have a father, father in my life. I've just got to try and adapt to this new guy quite quickly. Uh, and that took some time. So how old were you when that happened? The, the 15, I think. No, 11. 11 when that happened, yeah. So I moved to Tadcaster when I was 11. Okay. Just starting, just starting secondary school. Yeah, literally. And now, second, and, second and now you've got a stepdad. And then, yeah, literally started started secondary school, uh, second half of secondary school, moved in with my mum, and then was introduced to, um, like, this guy like right so his stepdad um and it, it was strange at first obviously didn't know didn't know him from adam and spoke different to how i speak you know and uh he had a family and it was weird because like at christmas it wasn't just me and my mum it was like a huge family environment with like grandmas and and i think the hardest bit for me was adjusting to having true grandparents do you know what i mean yeah. so, grandma and the granddad and, and uncles and aunties and cousins and all these things. I was like, what is all this? You know, so it was quite overwhelming. And then as you gradually settle in, it, it just becomes the norm, I guess, to a point until again, it's stripped away. So it was very weird. So, so growing up, Marcel, did, did you always want to have kids? Was was a big family, small family? No. No, honestly, honestly, mate, um, I never, never saw it in my life. 
Never saw it in my life. It sounds quite surprising when you know me, but um, never, never thought of having a son or a daughter or, or anything like that. I never planned for any of it. I never thought, you know, I'm going to have, I want three kids or two kids and a Labrador and a white picket fence or anything like that. I was just happy to live past 25. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I was like, yeah, just, just living the, living the life. And, uh, and then, yeah, things changed quite quickly, you know? Yeah. So look, your your, your ex girlfriend. Mm. When did you, when did you meet her? Yeah, so met uh, my ex during a let's say a Playboy time of my life, um, and at the time it was like met her. She made me settle down pretty much, um, and that was 2010, I think it was. Okay. So yeah, what ten years ago? Um, and then yeah, that was like, and then again, that was like my first true girlfriend, like ever. You know, the, yeah. I don't count like primary school and secondary school little playground girlfriend things, but you know, like a proper girlfriend, it was yeah. it was her. And, and how long were you together before you had Poppy? Uh, now you're testing me. <laughs> so uh, we were together for three years before we had Poppy. Okay, yeah. so Poppy in the in the 2014. So there's a, there's a significant period in there where you meet you're settling down like you say coming out of that playboy lifestyle yeah. is there no conversations there about are we going to have kids do we want to have kids was, was there any of that i don't think so mate we, if i look back i don't think we because at, at that time you know i was what 20 25 20 well 20 25 26 when poppy was born so like at that point i was still relatively young we were both still going out you know and I was I was in working in recruitment back then, you know, so for recruitment agencies. So I was earning great money, you know, before I met you guys, like I was working for an agency earning great money and stuff. And um, I wasn't really, I was, I was more focused on football, going out, my friends, that type of stuff. So selfishly, and that's probably what affected the relationship long term was I, I didn't really, we didn't really plan for any future, you know, it was just living life in the moment until until we got the news. So you're, I say, quite a young guy, good-looking man, Cheers, man, earning decent, decent dosh. How does she tell you she's pregnant? <laughs> oh God! Uh, literally, just walks in, crying, I'm pregnant. And what's what's the reaction? That <laughs> yeah, just just literally uh, cheeks puffed um wow like what the hell do we do how do we how do we afford it how do we be parents are we ready all these thoughts go through your mind right so you know at the time we were renting a house in ashton so it's like we're renting we're not buying at the time she wasn't working either oh no she was working actually but not in the career that she wanted to be in so again not necessarily earning uh, the money that she wanted to earn in, so it was only really my income and mentality out of that time was it's my money right so it's, it's my money i'll pay a lot of the, the bills towards the house but it's my money i don't want to share it with children or anything so it was a shock moment for sure that it, it literally did not move for six but it wasn't i'd like to say that it was one of them oh amazing yeah you know jovial like you see in the movies but that's not reality you know, and it wasn't my reality you know 
yeah this is real life it doesn't work doesn't doesn't work like hollywood yeah exactly so pregnancy did it was it was it smooth or what any issues no normal pregnancy um smooth with apart from you know mum having uh back pain and, and what have you and then we i think she got induced and then normal birth so no complications pretty pretty standard so did you did you find out that you're having a girl or did, were you one of those yeah. crazy parents that likes to wait? And... <laughs> Mate, I can't wait for my Amazon order. So you think I'm going to wait nine <laughs> months to find out the gender of a baby? No chance. However, for my most recent baby, so baby number three, um, I did actually want to wait. I did want yeah. to, I didn't want to know. And I think that's because I've had two already, right? Got two already, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I was actually prepared not to wait, but um, that didn't happen either. So, but we'll get onto that, I'm sure. Yeah. And... and Names wise, was that an easy decision or was that a, a, a months of arguments? No, mate. Like, um, I'm so passive with things like that that as long as it sounds nice to me, I'm happy. Like, and I'm kind of lazy in that field. I still am today that I don't really like to look at names of books. I don't like to look at babies' clothes or babies' designs. I'm, I'm just, it just, those things just don't interest me. I don't know whether that's just because I'm a typical bloke, if you like. I don't know if that's a typical bloke reaction, but. No, it, it, I always claim that I chose the name Poppy and her middle name Annabelle. I think I had some sway in it, but I, I can't actually remember if it was my decision or not. I, I'm just going to say it was, but um, I don't think there's many arguments in it, to be fair. There's more arguments about baby number two. Not arguments, but switch arounds, let's say, for baby number yeah. two. <laughs> so, so what, obviously, while she's pregnant, you you switch jobs, right? Because that's, that's where you come to join the infamous Chill Out Corner. Yes, yes, mate, yeah. So, so what drives that? Why? Because you, you'd imagine one thing you need when you're having a baby is you think I need some, some stability and the fact that you decide to switch careers. What what drove that? Now you're opening a kind of worms, mate. Um, so at the time I was working in recruitment and wasn't being paid enough. It's as simple as that. You know, salary was was truly awful. You know, when you reflect on it and you 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 realize what you're putting in versus what you're getting out. Let's let's put it for example right now. I was new to to recruitment and you know doing a successful contract business and getting five percent commission on that is a joke. You know, you think about it now, you you think well, how the hell was I even why was I even bothering? And the other side of the business getting like fifteen percent. So it's like. You soon get experience and when you worked there for two years like i did it was like i'm not being taken for a fool and at the time the company that, that we used to work for came to me and headhunted me and approached me to leave um recruitment and it sounded at the, at the beginning it sounded too good to be true um i did a lot of research into it i was convinced to stay in recruitment i was um you know cow offered all this kind of stuff but i think it was the the draw and the sale of of, of what the opportunity was sold by the two people i won't mention their names obviously but the two people sold it very very well um drew me in um and yeah i thought ultimately um ex-partner wasn't earning too much money i was earning good money because i had a big contract business so i was earning good money yeah. but not enough money you know and that role coming over to you guys increased my salary by i think it was at least um six or seven grand or something at the time maybe more yeah. i remember what it was and it came with a car right so two amazing things because i didn't have a car at the time because i lived in the city center um and yeah salary increase what with what looked like a great opportunity 
and it turned out to be for the for the early part with you boys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it, well, it, everyone was going swimmingly until um, that that day when everyone was made redundant. It was just <laughs> honestly one of the that for me was one of the worst days in my life at work. Mate, I will still remember that. I will still remember that day now. And as you get older, the more mature you get, you reflect on it and yeah. doing what I do now. If that would happen in, in, in my company right now, that was a huge scandal, right? And it's, it's crazy because when I sit back, I'm like, not only personally, there was then no consideration for my circumstance because yeah. literally- Was it was about six weeks, right? Yeah, like less than a month, I think she was born. So having that come to you, it's like, whoa, what is going on? I've got to find a new job. Like that is mad. No car, no yeah. job. Wow. Like, you know, it, it really did hit you. And, and I think the, the most disappointing part of that was um, communication in the morning was you'll be absolutely fine. Don't worry. It's not affecting you. Be absolutely yeah. fine. The afternoon, completely different. And also my boss at the time, gone completely AWOL at that moment mm. in time. You, 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 he did you, the runner. Absolutely. He did a runner in the morning. Absolutely, yeah. Literally came in, coat off, coat <laughs> off, went into a meeting, coat on, off. And, you know, texting, calling, even for a while or so after, mental. That was that was the worst for me because I was in that first meeting and they were mm. like, this is a list of people that are going. Yeah. And I was just yeah. like sat there. And then, and then the worst part was, you have to go out and sit on the floor of everybody. And going, What's happening? What's happening? And you're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And then the way they did it one by one, literally, can I have a word? Can I have a word? It was just like, what is it, going on? But they did it in a way that you could defend yourself as well. And it was like, well, you can't defend yourself because it's a business decision. And I understand the business decision, but then I also understand what got me into that decision. So it's the little things. And, and I've thought about this over the years and it's the little things that I would take on on behalf of someone else, which now I realize when you look at the bottom line of a PL, puts you massively in the negative. And I'm talking yeah. in particular about one event that me and you went on. Yeah. Of I remember that. You remember that? Yeah. We got stitched up there as well. Exactly. Cost thousands. And it wasn't even my account. But then it was it was funny because then just before we was due to go on that trip, it was all booked and all stuff like this. And it was like, oh, see how you do it, Cheltenham, and I'll give you that. Oh, yeah, Mint, it's a huge account, Mint. But the first first um, few months on me, it would just look as negative two grand, three grand, whatever. Yeah. And I have to recuperate that. And that was literally, what, the February, I think it was, or whenever it was. I can't remember when it was now, but it was early days. And March, I think. Yeah, March, if, was, yeah. If you're a director, mate, all you're going to be looking at, right, where is anybody performing above the line? Because they they've got the potential. They could probably they they're not costing us money. This guy been in the business six months and he's in the red for two three grand. You know, because at the same time we just hired that other member of staff. If you remember, yeah. And I was putting more on the board week in week out than at the time she was. But because of those things, <sighs> mental mate, mental. So so obviously just after that. You've you've got a brand new baby. What what does that do to you, like pressure wise? Are you, you you're thinking obviously thinking the worst? How am I going to provide? What, what what's going through your head at that point? Literally that, you know, I'm the man of the house. Um, Mrs. on maternity. I've got to provide. 
what the hell do I do? But I think it's the 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 the, the competitiveness of me and you know the, the the sporting element of me that's like can't stand still. Got to go yeah. get. Got to keep moving, right? And nothing's going to defeat me. And literally that week, got on the phone, spoke to some rec to recs, spoke to some companies, some people I knew in industry, and mate, literally that week I had interviews lined up for the whole week. You know, and by the end of that week, I had three or four offers on the table. So I was like, like, but it's having that mindset to do that because you can see how somebody with that news could just like sink and not be able to pull themselves through and get out and get on the phone and get a job. And then the bills start coming in and you've got no yeah. money coming in. Yeah. You can see how people really fold under that pressure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, what's really good, I guess, a good story to that was in that week as well, I actually had an interview for the place I'm at now and, right. uh, and didn't get it, you know, and, but the thing was I came like second and it was mad. And I remember my, my boss now giving me that feedback saying that I haven't got it, but you know, to stay in contact and all this stuff. And I just remember thinking, ah, that's probably the, the best job I wanted to do that was not recruitment agency because all my other offers were from recruitment agencies. Yeah. I didn't want to do it anymore. Um, but then I had to kind of really suck up that disappointment and then take the next best offer, which to be fair, when I went into um, Anders Elite, Anders, yeah. mate, amazing. Like I, the people there were a choice, let's say, but as a company to let you, you know, without that micromanagement to let you own your desk and as an agency, probably had one of my best times there, you know, in recruitment as an agent from a recruitment agency perspective, they were great. Like, completely flexible the money was great the desk i had was it was cold to begin with and i built that up to a really good level and and although i only spent i think it was a year roughly there before i ended up coming to where i am now it, it was it wasn't disappointing because i knew obviously i wasn't going to stay there forever but if i wanted to be in a in, in agency recruitment i would have stayed there for sure yeah would have stayed there so how does how does life change then, Marcel, after the first baby, after Poppy? What what what's the big difference? What in terms of now? For you, no, for you, from being that playboy. Yeah, God, right. How, yeah. Like, how does life change? Massively, and Not it, out it, every it, week, I imagine anymore. No, no. Well, I'll be honest, mate. I went through a, a stage when when Poppy was born. You know, I was I was, I was with you boys at the time, and. You know, we were having those nights out in Hale and stuff like you didn't have um, children at the time. The infamous trio was out whenever we could, you know, Christmas lunches, all that nonsense. And then yeah. out most weekends and then football as well. Like I was playing football Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday. But then I was doing all the six exercises as well. And it was because at that moment in time, I don't know what it was. I, I put it down to depression or something along those lines, but I couldn't bond with my daughter it's, it, it's something I share openly but I saw her more of a burden you know what I mean and I, right. and I had like in my mind I was like yeah I've got a baby I'm supposed to love my baby and you know I'm, I've got a love for my baby but I want to spend my money on me I don't want to give up football I don't want to give up going out with the boys Yeah. and then when I left um, you lot and went into agency then obviously long hours came in we were right next to Dukes 92 so Friday after work it was like let's go to Dukes you know so I was not giving all that up or trying not to give that up and balance being a parent. Um, and it was only after a few months, I, I, probably about three months before I true it, something just like snapped and it was like, 
I'm a dad and I absolutely love this little girl. So I'm going to make some changes for this little girl. I'm going to work hard for this little girl. And the money that I bring in is going to be for this little girl, regardless of my situation with the ex at that moment in time. It's yeah. actually what can I do to give and provide for her? But I think it was too little too late in, in the relationship point of view because I was still being very selfish with what I had, you know? Um, yeah. And it, it, it took a while for me to realize that. But then also flip side, I made up for a lot of that because I gave and gave and gave. You know, when I realized, you know, and when I when it when it when it all kind of hit my head a little bit more. But that's probably the biggest difference is sometimes I still edge into that selfishness of still wanting my own time versus spending time with my my, my family. You know, and I think that'll always be a constant yin and yang battle. But but now, like yeah, Playboy lifestyle is completely dead. Proper dad lifestyle now. You know, one beer max, and then true binge drinker maybe once a month if I'm out with the boys. <laughs> So, so how old's Poppy when that relationship breaks down? Um, she was just 18 months. So we split up in December. And that was a funny split up as well. Because we actually we actually flew to Tenerife for Christmas. Um, but we pretty much split up before then. So okay. that was interesting. So we spent spent a holiday in Tenerife and uh, she was Poppy was yeah, 18 months. No, probably 20 months old. No, yeah, 20, 21 months old or something like that, wherever that is in. If you want to use months, I hate that, but like a year and a half, let's say, or a year and three quarters. Yeah, um, and then we've truly separated in that January, I think it was, where we completely made the split. And, and how was how was the first six months after that then? How was the relationship with being able to see Poppy? Uh, obviously, you're two, you two have to have a manageable relationship, right, to make sure that you know, Poppy's being looked after the way she should be. How was that? Um, tough. Um, because it's an adjustment. So I won't say it was, I won't be on here and say that it was easy or that it was truly amicable to begin with or anything like that. I think we had a understanding and, you know, at the time I was having Poppy a huge amount of time because I lived like five, 10 minutes away from where they lived. So like, I would have Poppy on a Monday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, or Saturday, Sunday. You know, we'd rotate that Friday, Saturday, or Saturday, Sunday element of the um, of the weekends. But so, you know, I got to see Poppy all the time. I think the, the biggest struggle was who, not necessarily who does what. Well, it was kind of like that. It's like the role and responsibilities and the financial element of it as well. Like who pays for what? what should you be given versus what shouldn't you be given and all of that. So it, that's where it, that's where the arguments always came in. You well, know? That's what I was going to ask about that maintenance. How does, how does that work then? Cause obviously yeah. I've never touched wood. I've never been in that situation. Um, but how, how does it work? It's tough. Um, so at the start we had like a, um, a mutual arrangement where I would give X amount of money per week. Um, which we agreed on. And then there'll be nuances of, oh, she needs X, Y, and Z. And I'll be like, well, get it out of that. Why am I paying more kind of thing, you know? And there was little arguments about that. And whether it was enough, looking back, it probably wasn't enough now, but whatever, it, it was, that's what caused an argument. Yeah. Uh, and then in, what, in, in particular, there was one, one event where um, with my current partner now, we have, um, so her parents own um, an apartment in Marbella, so we can 
we can fly out there and you know have a nice holiday in the sun. We can, we can fly out there. Or... <laughs> well, <laughs> they, she, they won't. They won't even let her brother go out there on his own. So I don't think I've got any chance of always going out there. Like so, um, but you know, we, we we went there for ten days, and you know, we we took Poppy with us, and we took um, at the time uh, my little lad who was. I think he was two maybe at the time. No, we had two, one or two at the time. I can't remember exactly remember, but um, it came to that point while we was over that we went for 10 days of paying the, the, the money that I was supposed to pay that week of our arrangement. And I, and I, I remember just saying, well, well, no, you know, um, well, actually before then, because we'd argued about this before on a different occasion and, and that's another story, but I actually saw like um, a solicitor about, you know, what is right and what's wrong in this mutual arrangement and the solicitor gave me some advice that yeah you, you you don't have to pay and all this stuff whether it's right or not but on that holiday i said i'm not i'm not going to give you the, the maintenance money for 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 poppy for this week because she's with me out here so i'd rather use that money that i'll give you and just give it to her and let her do what she wants with it on holiday like because ultimately it's, it's for her right so i went into it in that mentality had that conversation and it broke down the, the relationship around money, which then led to um, an actual child maintenance agreement being put in place. So the official government right. child maintenance agreement, which let's just say is in the, I don't have to, I don't have to be put like polite on here, I guess. So it, it's fucked up. Let's just say that it's absolutely messed up me as a, as a system. I honestly don't understand how they can, how they can do that to a dad. And I'm not just talking about me, I'm talking about any dad out there. You know, the mum is completely in the power, right? And, I, and I'm not saying that they don't deserve the money because I absolutely do. And I've never had any issue with paying maintenance at all. And I'm more than happy to pay maintenance. It's the way the maintenance company go around doing it, which okay. is the issue. So yeah, it, it's, it's disgusting, mate. And I don't understand what my situation has to do with what I pay out to the mother of my, or the, the, yeah, the mother of my child, right? So essentially, the more successful I am, the more money I have to pay to my ex to look after my daughter. Right. So it's like, you get punished as being a dad for trying to better your life, and you have to give more for, for your daughter, right, to, to your ex. Now, don't get me wrong, I'll always provide for my daughter, but the there's only there should be like a cap, right? Like you can't. I don't even what I pay out on maintenance right now doesn't even. I don't even pay that on the two kids I have right now per month. You know, so they worked out to be right. Whatever, if it is right, it is right. I hold my hands up or whatever. But it it just doesn't seem fair. And you can never kind of go. I've never. I would never ever go to my ex and say. Give me a breakdown of everything you pay because that would just be insulting and it cause a huge argument. And to be fair to my ex, you know, she looks after my daughter incredibly well. Like, you know, she provides unbelievably for my daughter. So I never ever have any issues with that. But it's like it's a significant amount of money a month, you know? Yeah. And and if I get a promotion at work, that goes up. You know, if I get a bonus at work, that goes up. And at the time when they first worked it out. I was currently doing two jobs in work. So I was doing a secondment into another role, which meant I was doing two roles, dual roles, 
which means my salary was inflated for that year. Plus I got a really high bonus that year. So they worked out on that figure. And because um, when I said that that's not my true salary, that was just a year. Yeah, uh, one off. Yeah, but because the difference <clears throat> was greater than, it uh, was 24% difference from my current salary to what it was in inflated, it had to be, it had to reach 25% for them to readjust. So for a whole year, I had to pay more than what I was actually supposed to pay on lower income. So that became more of a struggle because that, then that, that affects, you know, what I can do here for my family now. Right. Yeah. So we just bought a house this year. So it affected, well, last year. So it affected what mortgage I could get, you know, it affected, you know, what I could actually pay for my kids right now in terms of holidays, whatever presents and all this stuff, because I'm paying that much out a month for one of my children and I don't earn an infinite amount of money, right? You know, so it's, it's quite tough. It was quite tough for sure. Yeah. That's what needs looking at though, a hundred percent. And is, is it like means tested or is it just, this is a percentage that you're going to pay and percentage maybe. Yeah, they they because it's a government. I think it's an arm of the government or something like that. That they, they tap into HMRC. And does it does it affect? Is it affected by what she earns? Because surely, no. no I the, thought on, on the on the flip side, right? If she starts doing really well and earning lots more money, why are you not impacted the same way? It, yeah, exactly. I, mate, it, it's not. And that, and these were all questions I asked. You know, I spent a lot of time researching i spent a lot of time on the phone and and what is really interesting about that company is that they pretend to be your best friend on the phone right and then they don't make note of everything you said they'll luckily i, I recorded the conversation on my phone um so i had evidence to back up conversations because they were denying conversations that we had and agreements that they were telling me on the phone that i'd be entitled to um so i could play it back and say actually this is what the, your agent told me you know, yeah. if I didn't have that, I would have been truly screwed. But yeah, you know, it doesn't, what, what she earns is not affected. What her, because she, it's not like she's a single mum. So her partner works, doesn't affect the income, you know, how, uh, and then, and then the other element of it is at the time I was having Poppy Monday, Wednesday, Friday, right? And if I would have continued having her that amount of time, I would pay less. Yeah. Subsequently, probably the right thing for Poppy is that, now I see a less time because of school and all this stuff, but I only see it like every other weekend, but then that gets factored in. So I pay more because of that as well. Like, yeah. you know, so again, cause she's spending more time at her mum's, which they put a certain cost to. It's mad though, te technically what they're saying there is she could marry Elon Musk, right? <laughs> Billionaire. Yeah. And you'd still have to pay the same amount. 100%. And again, what, what's difficult is, you know, I earn good money, mate, right? I earn good money, damn good money. And I don't feel it, you know? And I have a an A3 convertible, right? So it's a bit of a glam, like midlife crisis car, if you say, but I own that car, right? But yeah. I couldn't think of, I couldn't get like a, a, a Range Rover on finance or a, a car that I could afford with my salary comfortably. I couldn't get that now because I pay this amount out. Yet, what's most disheartening is when you see your partner at the time or your ex-partner at the time who she, she's semi-retired, um, 
you know, successful, I think now, because she has her own business and all this stuff. But at the time, you know, driving around in the Mercedes and stuff like this, you know, so it's those things that yeah. you're like, I earn good money. My, my new partner now earns really good money. We can't afford those things. But how do you afford it when I know that at the time they, they didn't have a job, you know? So it's like, how do you have two Mercedes Benz on your, on your drive? You know, and, and I, I, you, ne you never want to think that your money's gone towards that. And I wouldn't want to ever, I wouldn't ever say that because I know my daughter gets looked after very well. So yeah. I would never say that, but it, it, it frustrates you because you kind of want to believe in a system that yes, you can pay what's fair for your daughter. And I always think that, or I think that potentially the, the government should look at something where that, you know, I don't know what, maybe like it's from zero to three years old, average baby should, or child should cost X, you know, and as they grow up, it goes up or down depending on what, what the rough mean expenses are or something like that, rather than just going off percentages of what the dad earns solely. Yeah. Crazy. So moving forward, Mark, are you, you, so Poppy's two. Do you see a change in your relationship with Poppy when you, when you leave, or did you not really notice that? Didn't notice it. What do you mean? So, like um, when I was when she was two, you mean? Yeah. Broke up in the um, yeah. So, is it obviously with you not being around as much as you were? Do you do you notice a, a change in how your relationship is? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. It's it's tough. It's really tough because she's got like I guess you can call him a stepdad now in her life, right? So. He, she, he's been there since she was two. Um, so he's there every day. I'm not. Um, and at the time when I was having a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday, there probably wasn't much of a difference. Whereas when I started only seeing her once a week or now every other week, there's a significant difference because some weekends she doesn't want to come, you know? So I turn up on the door and she's crying her eyes out because she doesn't want to leave her mum, right? Because she's so close to her mum and she'll, she doesn't want to leave that situation, right? So she don't want to leave that life. So me turning up on the doorstep, it's quite difficult when she's screaming and really doesn't want to come. Now, when she gets in the car, she's absolutely fine. It's a completely different story, but that's not a nice feeling to have. No. And, you know, it's those little nuances as well when you're at home and she'll always call me daddy and dad and all this stuff, but then sometimes she'll call me his name, you know? And it's like, oh. Oh, dear that's a killer, you know, and, and it doesn't matter how much of a good relationship I have with them both right now. It's kind of like, yeah, do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. no, like, so it's, it, that, that is tough because I always, having, having been brought up without a dad, I always know how easy it is to forget to a degree about the other figure. Yeah. So I try and maintain a relationship as best I can through like FaceTiming or something like that. But Again, it's very difficult because in our world, we're so busy. So by the time I finish work, sometimes she's in bed. And then I'll get, yeah. I might get a message from my ex saying, you've not spoken to Poppy in a week. And it's, it's not because I, I haven't wanted to. It's just because maybe I've, I've been stuck in work or I've been doing things for work that I've not been able to get that time. And again, that's on me because I should have made the time. But, you know, when you get sucked into things and, yeah. and that's tough. And, uh, yeah, it's de there's definitely a change. But I, but I know she loves me, which is the main thing because – when she is here, she's completely here and she she doesn't leave me alone. So yeah. that's amazing. So, so moving forward, single man back in the game. Oh, right, yeah. How, do, how does that affect, I suppose, meeting new people, the fact that you've got a, 
You've got a kid. Um, do you think it put does it put people off? Uh, I, I don't know to be honest. I, I never really got any um, any knockback with that kind of justification. So when you meet Nicola, right? Yeah, you tell her straight away. I can't remember. I think so. I don't think I ever hid the fact. I never hide the fact that I do because because when at that point in time, I'm proud, right? So you know. Uh, I was very social media-y back then, you know, very Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that kind of stuff. So if you if you were on any of my socials, you'd always see me and Poppy at that time because I was constantly, you know, selfies, all this. Whereas now I don't really use social media like that anymore. Um, so you'll see less of that now. But back then I'd never really hit that. So any girl I'd be speaking to, they would know that because it would either be my profile picture or in a video that I've uploaded or if I managed to drop some some Marcel charm on a, on a, on a young lady and um, they would come around to my gaff or something. Poppy's toys will be around. Do you know what I mean? So I never hit that. So I never, ever hit that. So uh, it might put some people off, but if it puts some people off, hasn't the mentality, I'm not really that arse. Like, yeah, cool. leave me then. Do you know what I mean? I'm not bothered. Door comes yeah. first. <laughs> so how, how long after splitting up do you meet Nicola? Nah, so you like this one. So, um, this is interesting. So I met, so, so I never went on those apps. So I never went on like a, a Tinder or a, a Plenty of Fish and think they've got like Bumbles and Juves and all these other weird things now. That's showing my age and stuff. I never went on them because I just never bothered. But my main <laughs> app of choice was Facebook Messenger. Okay. And my little tactic at the time was... Um, you were poking everyone, weren't you? <laughs> No, no, no. But this is a, this is what I used to do though. Is a is a is a running joke. Um, hopefully, I never end up in this situation. Giving my tactics away here again. But hopefully, I never end up in this. Hold on, thing. let me get a pad and paper. <laughs> but it was um, it was birthdays, mate. It was birthdays, as simple as that. It was birthdays. So you know, if if someone's birthday popped up on my timeline and and I like the look of them, it would be a little slide in a DM of, "Hey, long time no speak. Happy birthday. Blah blah blah. Hope you well." And it was just casting the net until somebody bit, right? And um, yeah. and yeah, I had a I had a few dates off the back of that, shall we say? And uh, and Nicola subsequently was 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 one of them that I messaged saying happy birthday. But what I didn't realize at the time is that me and Nicola we we had known each other for like or known of each other for like nine ten years because back in my Playboy days when I was um, modeling topless in nightclubs. There's an actual picture of me and Nicola and her friends, you know, and I'm wow. there in the picture. And um, it was funny because we started talking and started dating. And then on time, we must have tagged each other on a few things on Facebook or something. But then on, on her time hop thing that used to come up, that picture came up. So it was like we've known each other for so long, but never interacted or never spoke until that moment. And, yeah, I met her in uh, I think it was April. Yeah, it was definitely, well, definitely April because her birthday was in April. Uh, so I messaged her on her birthday and then we got talking and then I think we went on our first date around May. Um, and then things started getting more, well, to be fair, mate, she, she pied me off, to be fair. Because I started, I was using the old Playboy tactics. When I like, first date, you know, it was decent. I think we went, we went Trafford Centre, had a few drinks and stuff. Nothing too special. Um, second date, it was like a cinema day and it was, they all dropped the line of, oh, 
want to come chill at mine kind of thing and she's like nope <laughs> and then there were more dates and stuff and uh and then yeah i think i kept hammering it down and uh well, hammering it down and broke down her walls and then yeah i think it just stemmed from there then the relationship which is good and then um, how long into that relationship before the bomb drops again I'm <laughs> yeah so that was um so that was a shock um so i'd been seeing nicola let's say from really from about June that time, you know, when we were actually properly seeing each other. Um, and then, you know, we spent Christmas together and stuff. And I think it was that year, yeah, it was that winter where I'd done my knee at football. So she was looking after me and stuff throughout the winter because I literally couldn't walk. I was on like on crutches and I couldn't put any weight through and all this stuff. So she was supporting me through that. And it was around the Christmas time we started having the conversation, you know, or, so what are we then, you know, are we official? Uh, so, and I was always like, well, well, and it was kind of like, you was getting to that point where I would make it official or lose it type thing. So yeah. we made it official around then. And, um, and then it was New Year's Eve. It was literally New Year's Eve, mate. So we'd been official probably a month, but seen each other since like June and New Year's Eve, she came around. I remember it like it was yesterday. Like she came around, um, we had plans. She, I've got something to tell you. All right, sound. I thought she was going to say, I don't know that. I don't know whether she'd seen some messages from me from months ago, you know, from before we got together or something that she wanted to talk to me about or something like that. All those birthday messages. Yeah, probably. All those little tactics or I'd message her best friend saying happy birthday or something. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, but no, it was uh, the tears came uh, and then my heart sank because I knew what was coming. And, um, and then you had the same sort of reaction, but I think the reaction with Nicola was probably slightly not, I wouldn't say worse, that's probably the wrong word, but more panic because yeah. I wasn't in a great financial situation when I left my ex, being being honest because of certain things I won't go into, but um, I was rebuilding myself up from that. Uh, and I got, just got, started getting myself in a decent place. And then I, met, I meet this, this amazing woman and without truly knowing the woman, you know, so we can't really say that we truly knew each other. She's pregnant. Yeah. You know, so I then have to think about the reality of, fuck, I'm gonna have a baby with somebody I don't even really know. Like, I, I don't even know who your parents are. I don't know, you know, who your friends are to a degree. I, I don't really know much about you at all. And now I'm having, a baby with you you know that that was that was tough that was that was tough but you know um bless her like she gave me the option mate you know she she said you know i know we don't know each other very well um i'm gonna have the baby you can be there or you or you, or you don't have to be she said I, I, i'm more than capable of looking after the baby myself but i think again knowing that i didn't have a, a, a parent in my life I wasn't going to have that. So regardless of my situation, I just had to, again, step up to the plate and suck it up for what, you know, they're kind of, what my mate's going to think, what, what's my mum going to think about you know, knowing this girl that they've not even met yet. And then all of a sudden dropping the bombshell on them that, you know, less than a year ago, I split up with, with my ex. Now I'm getting this new, new girl and I'm having a baby. Mental, you know? How does the ex react to that? Well... Again, another funny, I'm giving you excellent content here, by the way. <laughs> uh, so we wait, 
obviously, like you do, you wait for the 12 weeks and yeah. before we start telling people and stuff. And, you know, the first thing we had to do was, was tell her parents, which I had not met. And I'd heard stories about her dad being a pretty scary guy. Like, so, you know, me, me, I back myself anyway. Do you know what I mean? I was like, scary. Imagine like, it's all good, but you want to get on with the parents in it. So went for a meal and stuff and it, it was, it was absolutely fine. It was really nice. And, you know, we get on really well now. So that was all fine. But it came to a point where we had to tell my ex about the situation. Um, and I remember the phone call because we, we, I think we had had an argument or something. I think we'd had an argument or something about Poppy. And I think it was about like, um, a day or something. I can't remember what it was, but I said to her, I need to ring you. I need to speak to you. I don't want to message you. I need to ring you. And I was at work at the time and I rang her. Um, and before I could say anything, she was like, oh, I've got something to tell you. And I was like, well, what? And she was like, I'm pregnant. Oh. So she was telling me that she was pregnant. So then I was like, well, I was ringing you to say that Nick was pregnant. And um, Boy, when I said that, shit hit the fan, bro. Like, oh, it went mad. Like, it was like, what? What? It, was, it went off and um, phone went down. Um, messages came in. I think I was supposed to have Poppy that night. Messages coming through is, you're not seeing Poppy this night. It's ridiculous. You're making a mistake. These type, I don't think she said make a mistake, actually. That's probably a lie. But she, she said, like, you don't know the person. All this kind of stuff. And... And obviously I reacted then and we got in an argument and, and then she, I was still living in, in Ashton at the time. So, you know, she came round, I told her to come round and, and make sure she brought Poppy and have a good conversation about it. And um, it was just, I think it was just more of a knee jerk reaction from her um, because, you know, she was, she was getting upset and um, I don't know whether there were still feelings there from her or anything like that. It was like, she's also pregnant, right? But yeah, she was also <laughs> pregnant. So it was like, a little bit hypocritical but at the time again what she would i think what she was actually thinking more of is is how is this going to affect poppy you know am i now gonna just forget about poppy completely and focusing on nicola and my new baby right so i think that's what she was more worried about and once i said to her like that's not gonna happen poppy's my daughter i'll always be there always be there to provide for her absolutely whole always be there it it it, it it, it kind of it wasn't. I'm not gonna say it was fine, but it, it was okay, you know. And I think she got over that, and um, and literally, mate, she was due the, the same month as my son. They were there literally, I think, two days apart. Wow. You know, and she and literally when she got with her partner now, it was literally the same times, like the same time frames of when I got with Nicola. I think she got with with him maybe a month or two earlier than what me and Nicola did. But again, she's known that guy a lot longer because. It's that whole situation of he was a best friend, you know? Yeah, that one of them ones. Um, Dick in a glass jar, that's what that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of them. But it is, it's, it's really funny because you know, you know when you have that situation, when you find out that, that situation initially and you're like, how the fuck can you do that to me? Like, yeah. was this going on before? And then you remember all the conversations you've had about that individual, you know, when you've raised concerns about it. Yep. Or, and it's like, no, this X, Y, and Z. And there's like, he's this, he's that, he's this. And you're like, but now he's this. Like now yeah. he's your, um, And now they, mate, they're getting married and stuff now. And, you know, 
I just saw it as as long as he's good to my little girl, I'm not bothered. You know, I've got yeah. no feelings towards my ex, so she can do what she wants. And as long as as long as my little girl's happy, and she absolutely loves him to death as well, so I've got no hard feelings towards him at all. Like you know, you do you, I'll do me. As long as my daughter's fine, we've got no issue at all. And and mate, to be fair, to be fair to him, and it, and you know, it took me a while to get to this point, but to be fair to him, he's great with her. Like, do you know what I mean? So I can't knock the man for that. Did you ever have a like? A chat with him when he starts going out with um no ex. I, I had a chat with her okay i had a chat with her so it was like if he shouts at her if he touches her you know i'll kill him yeah. ultimately you know it was, it was all those kind of conversations of i won't stand for any of that and, and make sure he knows that but i think i think he i think he always knew that because i remember a comment when me and dion were, were first together like and um and uh, I think it was her 21st birthday and he was there with all his friends. And I don't think, like, I had one of my friends at the party and he never came over, like, they never came over to, to introduce themselves and, you know, the, the high from a distance and stuff. But I remember the, the comment came back from my ex was like, oh, they, they all think that you're massive, like, <laughs> they won't come near you, all that kind of stuff. So I don't know whether that still plays in his mind of, like, you know, I don't know what this guy's like. Will he tump me? Will he not tump me? And and all this stuff. Whereas, you know, I'm not going to do that. I'm not an idiot, but I think, you know, I think he will know. And, and I think he would be the same in my situation. If, if there's any kind of wrongdoing to your kid, like it's game over kind of thing, you know? Yeah. So we, I think we, we had that understanding, whether it came from her to him or whether it was just, just from eye contact that there'll be no games played. Do you know what I mean? But I've never had any issues, mate. And from what I've seen of them together, I've got. I, I don't think I'll ever have that problem because um, you know I've been to parties with that with them. You know, like kids' parties. They've invited me to Poppy's birthday parties and stuff, and I've been there. And he's always been great. Like I can't knock him for that. Yeah, and so Poppy, little Poppy. Yeah, that's <laughs> me and Pierce will always remember little Poppy. Yeah. Um, little Poppy's mixed race, right? Looking, looking. She looks mixed race. Blake's very pale skin, but very mm. white, right? Yeah. yeah, literally like this, like a white wall, mate. <laughs> Completely different. <laughs> uh, how how is that for you when you have Blake? Like, because I'll tell you something honest about how I felt. Because I Leo for me mm. is super white. Yeah, right? yeah. and and I've just been just being completely honest. In the first three weeks, I was gutted, genuinely gutted that I was like, he's not brown. Like, mm. people kept telling me, oh no, he'll. he'll t- <laughs> It'll turn brown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he'll grow into his colour. Like, come on. Like, you... <laughs> yeah. he came out, honestly. When he came out, he was like so white. And I was just a bit honestly, this is and I've had this conversation with Carly, and I was like, I was I was gutted. Mm. And do you know what? It wasn't until about it was about three weeks later, and I was walking the dog, and suddenly I thought. He's white. Mm. He's not going to grow up with all the same problems that I had as growing growing up as a kid. You know, he's not going to walk down the street to school and have kids shout "packy" and that sort of stuff to him. Yeah. You know, he's not going to he's not going to meet girls. I remember meeting girls at like sixteen, seventeen, and you go home and they say, "I've oh, just ignored my dad. He's he's yeah. a bit racist." Remember them? Remember them once? Jesus. <laughs> Right. I, I tell you, Marcel, I had one. We I've been dating this girl for a little bit, 
sat having a couple of drinks one night and he t- took the shotgun off the wall, pointed it at my head, and he went, this is what we do with your kind. Oh, my days. And it's just like, and that all that was going through my head and I was like, I was oh, suddenly I was like, oh my, it's great that he's not my colour. Mm, yeah. but, then, but then I had that feeling of, but why should I feel great that he has doesn't have to, do you know what I mean? In in the society that we are, I shouldn't have to be happy that he's white. No, um, it's a sad reality, mate, and I can completely empathise with you because I, I'm the same. Probably I've, not, I've probably not thought of it on the flip side of what you have, to be fair. But you know, even Poppy now, like I look at Poppy, I look at Blake, and I look at Aria. You know, our, our latest edition, and you know, they're they're, they're different colours, right? So. Yeah. Poppy's like olive, so you can tell she's a little bit mixed, but still to the degree where I don't think she'll have any issues. Maybe people will comment about her curly hair because she's got really curly hair, but I don't think she'll have any issues. But Blake certainly won't because he literally like the only the only thing he could have had was blue eyes. And then, you you know, he'd be completely that stereotypical (laughs) kid. Yeah. (laughs) And then Aria, she's pale as well. Like, so my kids are, are, are white essentially and and yeah, I, yeah i'm even now i think like i'd have loved a, a a child that was my color you know because i i i celebrate the uniqueness of my color do you know what i mean and that i'm yeah. brown i'm proud to be this color and, and i think there's a unique bond between people of our color that, that we share and struggle that we share and they'll never have that to a degree or they'll never they'll they'll never truly get to experience that to some degree um, I'm not saying they can't experience that because they can truly own their mixed heritage, of, of course, but, you know, it is tough. But what I try to do, and, and this is what we're looking at at the moment, is, is is schools for Blake. I never had a choice with Poppy, as you can imagine, but for Blake, yeah. we're looking at what schools we can put him in that, that have that truly mix of, of diverse and inclusive kids as well. Um, so that although, yes, he is going to have that privilege because he's going to be privileged, right? He's He's coming from a family home where I'm able to provide privilege for him now because I'm privileged now in the situation. So he's never going to miss a meal. He's never going to miss a birthday. He's never going to not have toys. He's never going to not have latest games console, trainers, latest trainers, latest football. He's going to have all those privileges and he's going to have even more privileges because he's white, right? Yeah. Now you, can I call him white? Yes, because that's the colour of him, but he is mixed race ultimately, right? But he looks yeah. white. So he's never going to feel the things that we felt. So yeah, listening to you, mate, I'm kind of, that that hit me just then because it's like, well, yeah, he's never going to experience what we've experienced. And, I, and I'm I'm kind of grateful for that because I, I, looking back, I've never want anybody experiencing what we probably went through growing up, you know. I do, like Brown's such a, this sounds awful because I don't mean it like, it, like I'm about to say it, but Brown's such a weird colour. Yeah. In that, you know, we're not, we're not black, so black people are like, well, you're not one of us. You're not you're white. Right. Yeah. So you're not white. So white people are like, well, you're not one of us either. Yeah. <laughs> we sort of sit in that, in that middle and being like, you know, if I, we're, you may have experienced this. I certainly have. I'll be around people that will say racist shit. And I'll look at them and be like, and they'll go, oh, no, no, we're just talking about you. We're talking about oh, them, black yeah. people. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Mate, like hundred <laughs> percent. And, it's really funny because, like, I think you'll know this yourself. You know, for years and years, you probably experienced the same as me, where you built such a tolerance. 
yeah. you ignore those friends around you that are like, oh, that N-word over there or yeah. uh, X, Y, and Z or, you know, the things that are not crazily offensive, like neo-Nazi offensive, but are still offensive, but you allow, let them get with, away with it because they're your mates, right? So you build this huge tolerance and, and allow them to get away with that. And it was a real snapshot of reality for me um, this time last year when I went to a, a BAME event that unlocked a lot of those those doors for me to, to, to really, truly, truly feel what a microaggression was, for example. You know, and yeah. when uh, George Floyd died uh, and all the stuff happened with BLM, I put out like a social media post which was quite open and quite honest on Facebook. And I, and you know, I don't really post that much on social media. You probably look at my socials and you think he doesn't post that much because I don't anymore. But I really thought, well, this is enough now. My tolerances are completely down. I'm not going to tolerate it anymore. And I yeah. spoke the truth. And um, it was amazing because a lot of my closest friends, who are still my closest friends, would comment and, and, and apologize to me and message me saying, I'm really sorry. I was definitely part of that. And I didn't, I didn't realize it, that it affected you at, at this point. And and I had to say to him, don't apologize to me because I've enabled you to be, you'll be saying these things, you know, such as being fined every week for being black in the football team. Cause I was the only oh. black guy. So every week I'd get fined. So I'd have to pay only a quid, but there were jokes. There were, there were, there were fines for like, um, for, for like beers at the end of the, end of the, um, yeah. end of the season, you know, but I was captain and I, you know, all these guys are some of my best friends, you know what I mean? So it was, it was banter. It was banter that I tolerated. Right. But when I reflect on it now, I'm like, well, I built up a tolerance because I grew up in that environment for so many years. And these are my closest friends and I grew up and I had banter with it and I allowed them to have banter with it. It, it definitely affected me, but I blocked it out. But then what if a, 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 a young Brown player, young black player came into that team and they saw that happen. Yeah. Would they think they can be allowed to be fined for that? I'm basically telling them, telling them that it's being fine. treated that way is fine. So, so I just, I spoke my truth and I, and I said that to some of my friends and I was like, don't apologize because I enabled it just as much as you did by allowing you to do those things. So it's a, it was a learning for me, but it was wrong, you know, and yeah. they know it was wrong. And, and, and that, and that's what was the best thing for me when, when those friends came out and said, listen, you know, we shouldn't have done that. We shouldn't have said this, you know, it, looking back, it was horrendous. And I was like, but, but yeah, you know, I enabled it as much as you did. So just as long as we pause and we don't allow that to happen again, and we change, it's better. It exploded last year, didn't it? With the whole BLM, Black Lives, Black Lives Matter. Yeah. And, you know, you see online, I mean, Facebook is a cesspit at the best of times, but I, I really got to see what some people I would consider friends really truly thought about race and racism it's it was amazing like one of the things i don't quite understand is like i don't understand why people can't separate black lives matter the political side of it yeah because what they stand for right is defunding the police wealth distribution which is essentially white wealth distribution all, all yeah. that's nonsensical it doesn't make any sense and nobody started studying i mean that's what we want but the sentiment of black lives matter I don't understand why people can't get behind that because that's not saying white lives don't matter. What that is says, we matter as well. Exactly, exactly. It, it's the um, I, I've I've done a lot of work in this field the past seven eight months, and it, it's the 
the draw to what is comfortable for some white folks, right? And it's they acknowledge that our lives matter. And I think that's the acknowledgement that we do matter, but they they like to hone in on the injustice of what that means to them. So, you know, it's very it's very easy to feel discriminated against when you've always had privilege. Yeah. Oh, so as soon as you you start to take away that privilege from somebody, it's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, whoa, you're telling me that I can't say that anymore. You're telling me that now I have to kneel to support you lot. I don't yeah. kneel to you. That's that's offensive. It's like yeah. understand the sentiment of it before you start saying you shouldn't. You know, yeah. understand that yes, even black people realize that the the BLM political side is a bit out there, you know, it's a bit whatever you want to call it. Ridiculous. Let's call it what it is. Ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the sentiment behind it of actually we're equal, you know, and we want to be treated fairly. We want to have equity, you know, in everything we do and, and how we be treated in society. The sentiment behind what they're standing for and why football's embodying it and all this kind of stuff is, is truly powerful. And just get on board with the positive element yeah, and support people because I'm sure you have as well. I've lost friends throughout this right and yeah. it's funny because you see them do stuff and you I, I just I just polite I didn't get in arguments or anything I just messaged them and said I no longer want to be associated with you anymore it's as simple as that from some of the things you're saying I no longer want to be associated with you um good luck with whatever you, you you're doing and I wish you all the very best yeah. and I get messages back saying well you're stupid you're this or you're x y and z how, you know that's wrong how can you encourage people to go looting and I'm like I don't encourage people to go looting no but why is the reason behind it happening? Like, understand the reason behind it before you, before you start, you know, commenting. And and it's interesting because again, this, the series of events that happened after that, when it was the other way around, you know, quiet as a mouse, yeah, you know, silent. And and that is the what is what is what is deafening. And do you know what? I I wish them all the best. And then what's really interesting as well is when you have got friends of those friends saying, "Oh, they're not like that. They don't mean that." You've been yeah. friends for years. Don't worry. About it. I'm like, no, like, yeah. It's, it's it's true what you said though. Like you said at the start of that. I think I think you said people that have had the privilege see it as an injustice. Is, mm. is that what you said? I think you said that. Yeah. So so you know, it's privilege, isn't it? Right. So when you take away that privilege from somebody, they feel it as discrimination. Yeah, exactly. And uh, like for me, for a very long time, I've grown up thinking I'm. I think everyone doesn't like me. You know, because I'm brown, I'm I'm going into every relationship, whether it be work or personal, in my yeah. head one nil down, because I'm having to almost having to prove I'm all right, I'm a decent person, just because what society will tell people about me because of yeah. the way I look. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you get that in football, right? You get that when you're playing. Yeah. You know, you get that in society for sure. You get that in in, in work to some degrees, you know, and I think I'm in a fortunate position right now where, where I can affect that reality in my sphere of influence. And I always say, um, in my sphere of influence, you can only control what you can control. So yeah. when I talk about this, this topic and, and I've talked about it on a global platform as well with, with the company that I work for, it's not about trying to control those 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 Twitter thieves and what do you call them these days, trolls and what have you. And, trolls. Yeah, and John Smith down the corner shop, you know, saying, "Oh, you know, I'm going for this, and you don't deserve it." He's taking my jobs, all that nonsense. You can't control them, guys, right? But what you can control is 
Number one, your family, right? So you can control yeah. that influence. You've got influence over your family, how your kids are brought up, how you 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 interact with your partner who supports you or doesn't support you. You can affect that and change that. The other thing that you can control is your work environment. So you can you can control that rhetoric, right? You can control your colleagues. You can have conversations and educate your, your, your peers. You can control the workplace you, 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 you're exposed to every day. And if you try and affect those two things and change those two things, especially the work environment, that then filters out into society because they'll go home and try and control their family and it will trickle on, right? And then yeah. you'd like to think in an ideal world that will trickle on throughout the whole society and everything will be rosy and great, but that's not just that's just simply not going to happen. But don't get too stressed out. I, I learned quite quickly not to get too stressed out about Joe blogs down the road or X, Y, and Z in London or so-and-so in South Africa calling me the N-word, you know, yeah. because what am I going to do? Say, oh, don't call that you're offensive. They're just going to go, oh, we have sound, N-word. Yeah. <laughs> Makes no difference, right? But I think that, I think there, there comes a, there's a certain maturity of being able to handle that, right? Because there's, there's a very long time where, so believe it or not, from people looking at me now, I used to be in musicals, <laughs> wow. you know, many stone ago. Yeah. And all the all the roles I ever auditioned for were always played by white people, right? I always got the black role. Never auditioned for one, but always got it. Yeah. <laughs> but for a very long time I was that was a chip on my shoulder, you know. I was yeah. like, why why is that happening to me? Um but I think it comes with a maturity, like you, you know, you just ignore them. You you could control what you could control, right? Absolutely, absolutely, and that's the thing. You can only control what you can control. You can't control anything else. So, yeah, it, it does come with maturity because back in when I was younger, I would definitely have kicked off on socials. I would have argued for days about certain things, you know, and and really let it affect me. Whereas, yet it did affect me to a certain point throughout the summer. Absolutely, it did. And at the time, I was falling into that trap. But after that. I just completely said, no, let me take that away and step away from it. And it came from a conversation actually with, with Nicola now. And she's triggering me because she's she's literally looking at me right now because she wants to make a cup of tea. And um, telling her she can't come in because we're recording this. So, but she uh, she went through quite a bit in the summer where, um, you know, I was getting upset, getting annoyed, getting angry, focusing so much time on, on this topic and losing friends and all that type of stuff, right? So... She was just like, you can't, you can't control all these things. You know, you can't put all your energy into that because now it's affecting me and you. You're, you're angry. You're upset. You're not talking to me. It's affecting me and you. So, yeah, take a step back, take a break from it. And I was like, I can't take a break from it because this is my reality every day. You don't understand, you know. Yeah. And and then I, it took me a while to understand that journey of, of controlling what I can control. And then as soon as I enable myself to to understand that much better and the results of, of what i achieved so far professionally and personally speak for themselves and i'm i'm just dead proud of what where we've come from from then certainly to, to where we are today and where we continue to try and push forward so yeah so last little bit aria third child yeah planned or not planned <laughs> um unplanned but semi unplanned if that makes sense because so so Nicola's dead maternal, right? So she she was she could have a football team if she wanted to, right? She loves kids, um, and I was like, oh, I've got one over there. I've got 
my little my little white boy here. I'm absolutely fine. That's me done. You know, I'm 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 good. I want some time now. I want to be a playboy again. I want to play football. I want to do this, this, this. He's three now. Like, leave me alone. Like, I'm done. We're done. We're happy. We've got two. But no, you know, I always knew that that she wanted more, and we kind of had that um, agreement where we would stop contraception but try not to get pregnant and yeah um you know if you go you know if you go swimming you get wet right <laughs> yeah. and uh and a little joke between my, my 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 boys and stuff is that you know my little swimmers break down walls right so like I, I, apparently i touch a girl and she's pregnant do you know what i mean so like that that um that obviously didn't work and again similar reaction when she told me the news for aria as well you know it, it was funny because my reaction we were watching them um, we were watching power at the time conveniently um and my reaction was like have you ever seen that that youtube video of that that black guy uh, and his wife when um she goes to him with the pregnancy stick and he's like he starts crying yeah we, we no, he's like we all oh, oh. Is it a joke is it a joke no 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 we, we all it was literally the same thing it's like nah you're joking don't play games we're, we're joking we, we can't do this nicola we can't do this we're we're, we're 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 older you know i'm 32 you know we're done we're happy we're done what what were you on about and no it was the truth and uh and yeah it was like a it was like initial oh my god we gotta do this do this again late nights um early mornings nursery fees but you know what like it soon flipped around and yeah she's here now and um you know number three right but then i've said to her already checking out now right that's it <laughs> how old how old are you now she's three months now oh wow well she's nearly four months now well, she's, so, uh, i've got an indication here now she's she give me the she's nearly four months now so it's one of those again it's like nickel will go off she's x amount of weeks whereas i'll just go yeah she's four months yeah um I did a podcast with a guy last night called Greg, and he he describes that first year as the hurt locker. Oh god! And he's yeah. like, they so they had two kids, pretty much one after another, and he was like, if we're gonna if we're gonna be in the hurt locker, let's just stay in the hurt locker, get it done. Whereas you you've got well out of the hurt locker, and now you're back in it. Yeah, it, it literally is, and to a degree, mate. I've been in that hurt locker three times, right? So yeah. she got to she got to nearly two. So I'm just out of that hurt locker, and then I'm jumping in again with Blake. Yeah. He got to nearly three, <laughs> and then I'm jumping back into it again with Aria, right? So because they're literally all three years apart, so it's just like I must hate money, I must hate time, and I must hate sleep. Like <laughs> that's it. What's the biggest change from going from two to three, or is it too early to tell? Uh, it it was force change, I think, because of COVID that's the biggest change um so now like we have to split the time so it probably could have been without covid but it's different how you 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 split your time now between parents so like on the morning i'll get up with blake most days as i can we try and keep it we try and do 50 50 but most days i'll get up with him because he literally doesn't sleep that well so we'll go to bed at half seven and he'll be up at between half five and seven every single day typically it's about six o'clock every single yeah, day um, yeah so he's up all the time and then she's breastfeeding aria right so it's unfair for her to do all the nights and all this stuff so now it's just finding that that split because i'm not working 
at the office anymore, so I'm at home. Yeah. But she's on maternity, and if Blake's not in nursery because he goes four days a week, not five, when when she's with two of them, he's chaos. It's just chaos, right? So she's exhausted, and then I'm hearing all that upstairs, and I have to come down and try and alleviate some of that pressure a little bit. But then, like this weekend, we'll have Poppy, so it'll be three of them. Three of them. You know, and you leave Nicola with three of them, or you leave me with three of them. <sighs> Boy, like. It's literally chaos, mate. It's absolutely wild. And it's just like, get through it. And then when survive. they go back, yeah, just, just survive that moment. Try not to put any of them down the toilet or in the bin and just get through, you know? And I think that one of the, one of the, one of the biggest learnings I think that, that you probably are having and I'm definitely having is, is that whole parenting that we, that we didn't get maybe when we were growing up in terms of, yeah. Back in the day, you get a smacked ass, you know, or, or the belt, or the the trusty coat hanger is what I used Slipper to get. For me. Yeah, you know, and, and 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 Nicola is a health visitor, right? So she is NHS health visitor, knows every single theory you can imagine. You know, you you couldn't even you couldn't even imply that you're getting angry enough to get a slipper out, you know, because Nicola would literally she'd get the slipper on you on me. Do you know what I mean? So that. You, you just got to try and adjust in terms of the words. So Nicola's always teaching me, you know, if Blake's kicking me, don't tell him like, stop kicking me, stop kicking me. Cause I'll, I'll just go, stop kicking me now. She's like, don't say that. Say, put your feet down or put your feet over there. Give him directional feedback where I'm not used to that. So I literally just yeah. kick off where I'm like, get your feet off me now. And he's just looking at me like this, still kicking me. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> So that's, yeah. a, that's one of the good learnings I think that I'm going through still right now as well. Any any advice, Marcel, as we wrap up for um, for men that have recently split up with their partners and having to adjust to life, you know, in that post relationship, but with a with a child. hundred yeah, percent. Uh, I think the biggest piece of advice I give any dad in that situation is believe in yourself. You can do it. Number one right try and keep as much of an amicable relationship as you can with your ex-partner every situation is different but remember that it's not about you two it's about the kid right so it's about your, your your son or your daughter that's the main thing and as long as you're there to provide if you've got the mentality that you want to provide for your kid and you want to be in their life you'll make it work you know it's a very scary reality that for me going on my own and figuring out that kind of journey but my advice would be just to believe in yourself You've got somebody there that loves you and, and will will need you in their life for the whole of their life, not just for these these next few early years or something. Or you can't just drop back in at nine years old. You have to be there. Yeah, be there. And that's that's my biggest advice for somebody is just believe in yourself. And if you believe in yourself and you have the love for your child, you'll make it work. Whatever. Yeah, and and that's right. What you said, you, you can't just drop in at nine. I mean, my my dad dropped in at thirty one. Yeah, <laughs> it just doesn't work because you know yeah. I'm, I'm a man by then, and yeah. like I've said this before, you know, where he starts to call you son, and it's just it's just weird. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it was never gonna, it's never gonna work. But yeah, no. try and keep in, in 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 the present as much as you can, I guess. Absolutely, absolutely. I know the the final thing as well because men we're dogs, right? We yeah. get single and we're like Facebook Messenger, Tinder, plenty of fish, you know. Where's the calendar for all the birthdays? <laughs> Literally, you get your little black book out and you're scrolling through Shaniqua, Denise, Lauren, they're all married, you know, and you think, well, bloody hell, where am I going? And 
and and the one thing I would I I I'm quite fortunate because I I'm quite mentally strong at this point. But one thing I'd advise any man is if you do mean and you were asking me this question about does the you lie about the, your child and stuff. But the one thing I'd always do is never go into another relationship where you know that that woman isn't fully supportive of your situation and your child. Yeah. Because I've seen that happen to some of my boys before, and they've been let's say pussy drunk and gone in, and gone and had that relationship with a woman over their kids and then regretted it. So yeah. don't get drawn in because if they're not willing to support you at this moment in time, they're not willing to be, they're not worthy to be in your life. Yeah. My, my, we're sort of experiencing that from a different angle in our family at the moment. So my little sister is having to take on her cousin's two kids because she's chose a boyfriend who's a convicted paedophile in prison. Oh wow! So the social services have had to say, we're taking the kids off you. But to my sisters having to take them on. So yeah, choose, choosing somebody over your kids. Wow. Is, uh, I don't know how anyone could do that. No, neither do I. Neither do I. But it happens, right? So yeah. But yeah, that's my advice anyway. Any more? Any more kids? Mate, don't ask me that question. I say no, but these things down here, they, they've got a mind of their own, mate. You know, Blake came through. Uh, contraception we were on contraception and Blake came through like so I've got the Avengers down here mate like there could be at least the squad coming down as well you know so oh god I, I want to say no but you know it, who knows what the future holds let's just say that yeah listen Marcel it's been it's been brilliant catching up with you mate and um, like, hopefully see you again once we're allowed out and uh, back to reality and we'll try and try and get chill out corner back together Absolutely, mate. I look forward to that. Look forward to it. Get the, let's get the other one involved, right? So definitely, <laughs> mate. But listen, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. And um, I hope I've given you enough good content there. Yeah, well, of course, mate. No worries, man. Take care, yeah.